What I normally do is I start out with my introduction and then we go into music and then I do my monologue, which is essentially textual analysis of the show. But I need to start out with some other stuff before that today because I am feeling a little bit um, in anguish uh, in light of the shootings at in Atlanta. Um, the shootings uh, that took place in Atlanta last week that killed six Asian women, working women. Um, and uh, I found it interesting because my emotional response to it was changing rapidly day by day. It started out on Tuesday with numbness by Wednesday, uh, increased curiosity uh, and sadness. By Thursday, um, more sadness, but my desire to take care of my mental and emotional self. So I went on a long hike alone. And then by Friday, I was just angry. I was just really struck by the magnitude of white silence and, and, complacency around this issue of Asian hate crimes. Though I was aware of the uptick in Asian hate crimes this past year, um, which, you know, was very much uh, fueled by Trump's hate speeches and, you know, the, the pandemic and the way that uh, certain media outlets framed it, you know, the same media outlets that are now covering this news of the shootings they were just as much at fault for their emphasis on sinophobia. The same white people who were in my circles, who were so amped up last spring with the Black Lives Matter movement and putting together charity things and organization, like, you know, creating a donation organizations and stuff, like those same people are not at all supporting the stop Asian hate movement. And that drove me insane Friday night. I thought I was losing my mind because I was like, how am I feeling these feelings and nobody else is? And I'm telling you this as somebody who got off Twitter and I refused to participate in the social justice activism on Twitter. Like I was pulled out of it because it was causing migraines uh, there seemed to be no end to the ire and anger. And I just wanted some peace and quiet. And I am now sucked back into it full on because uh, I'm mad at white people who don't understand that Black Lives Matter and Stop Asian Hate, that these movements are not about identifying our identities. It's about identifying your identity, your your work in the colonization, the enslavement, the lynching, the murdering, the raping, the imperializing, the erasing of old ancient religions, the erasing of old ancient cultures and traditions and rituals and medicines. 
I was feeling sad also because I felt like uh, we don't have somebody like Grace Lee Boggs to uh, hold the light up for our community, um, somebody to turn to and seek advice from. And then a friend of mine, Helen Park, who's um, she's a, a brilliant mind and she's a brilliant heart. She reminded me, she's like, well, we have Grace Lee Boggs's legacy and her words. And I was like, fuck, I forgot. I have two of Grace Lee Boggs's books in on my bookshelf. Why am I not looking at them? And I opened it up today and she said that our political systems and our political resistance in all its formations, and that includes marching, that includes these kinds of um, vocal political activisms. She said, they're not effective. Give it up. She was like, give it up. Since the 2000 election, we should have given it up. There was no hope. And she says, grow our souls. Right? And like for those of you who've seen the Grace Lee Boggs documentary, you know this phrase. She said, we need to grow our souls. I find that incredibly liberating and beautiful. Last year, is it last year? Yeah, it was, two, it was, no, 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 it wasn't last year. It was two years ago now, almost two years ago. In 2019 fall, I remember telling a friend of mine that I felt spiritually barren because even though uh, my parents' parents were Buddhist, um, my, my parents became Protestant, like born again Christians, evangelical fundamental fundamentalist Christians and they raised me on that and then when I was like 21 I decided I'm an atheist and I that's how I remained since but um in 2019 I felt this spiritual barrenness and so I started seeking spirituality and became more open to uh, my dreams, became more open to psychedelic substances, became more open to uh, art as a potential, um, I, and I mean visual art, uh, like painting and stuff, as a potential way of growing my soul. And that's how Grace Lee Boggs framed it. She said, one method of growing our souls is pursuing art finding a creative pursuit or contributing to a creative pursuit like if you yourself don't draw like look around see what artists are in your local vicinity who can use your support because they always need it you know i've had several conversations with people i made several videos and i feel greatly appeased and i know that what i have is still something that matters Part of the reason why I do this podcast is also uh, it's it's connected to what Grace Lee Boggs said in terms of political activism. She said that political activism can also just be a conversation. I find that extremely um, yeah helpful and heartwarming, like having these kinds of deep conversations, listening to one another, giving attention to another person fully wholly you know and remaining open to the things that they say remaining open and interested in their experiences and beliefs and values that is really healing you know that can be a form of political activism an impactful one because i'm not here to like change your mind about anything i'm just interested in expanding my own 
and I want to hear what you have to say. That's really it. Enjoy the show. Welcome to K-Drama School. I'm your host, Grace Jung, and class is now in session. talk about a show called Pyoru Negasume, also known as Star in My Heart, also known as uh, Wish Upon a Star. And you can't find this show on Viki or on Netflix or wherever else you stream. You can't even find it on Drama Cool. Um, you're going to have to look it up on YouTube. Uh, look up Wish Upon a Star um, and you will find this. It is a classic Korean drama that came out in 1997 on NBC. It was uh, written by Kim Ki-ho. Because it was written by a man, the female characters are somewhat shallow. <laughs> Not too problematically so. The drama, like the melodrama, is written more for the male characters, more so than the female characters, I would say. It's got some huge stars like Che jin oh my goodness, huge star. Uh, An Jae-wook, oh my gosh. Like this, this show kind of put him on the map as this Hallyu actor and Hallyu singer. Especially, He became especially popular in China after this show. Chain Pyo is also huge, right? He's He plays like this middle management. No, he's more like, like an executive. He has like this executive role on this show. Che Jin has like, she plays two roles actually. She plays Chain Pyo's ex-girlfriend. She has long hair she she wears contact like color contacts and she wears really thick makeup and she's like a photographer like a fashion photographer and she plays like the, the doppelganger to Chijinshu's main role who is Anjuk's love interest and she is of course an orphan she is of course very talented but upright and moral and all this shit Chijinshu is an important Korean drama actress to talk about She's been an actress for many years, like since 1990. She's been in films. She's been in television dramas. I saw her in this very long Korean drama called Pukpunge Kejal, which came out in 1993. And she played alongside Kim Hye, but Che Jin was really great in that. And I just, like when, when she committed suicide in 2008, I just, found it extremely tragic. She had two young children at the time. She had an ex-husband. They had a really awful contentious relationship um, involving money and cheating and there was a lot of scandal associated with her and some domestic abuse apparently. So it's a lot of sadness around Che Jin career and personal life. And, you know, a lot of TV producers didn't want to work with her as a result of her scandals. In 2005, she came back to the small screen in a role for My Rosie Life. And that she won a huge award for because her her performance was phenomenal in it. And I just remember watching like a variety show years ago. And she was like crying. I think it might have been Kang Ho-dong's like Murupak Dosa um, the golden fishery thing that he used to do. I remember her just crying and just saying like she loves acting so much 
and that you know not being able to act because of her because she was marred by scandal was like such a heartbreak for her and so to see her um, return to tv through these soap operas i thought was um, a positive thing but then unfortunately she uh ended up dying in 2008 and so um yeah it's, it's somewhat tragic what's really what makes her life even more tragic is the fact that her husband her ex-husband also committed suicide um not too long after her death and her brother also committed suicide so uh they do have two young children i mean they had two young children at the time and just you know imagine having like both of your parents um, dead to suicide and you know and your uncle you know it's just that's just too much death and life taking for small children and I just um, I find that especially sad but Chijin Shu's performance is astounding um, she's very good on this drama um, and I think it's a, a classic I think it's great uh, everybody who's grown up during my during in my generation they know the song <laughs> associated with Pyorin de Gasume and um, we sang it a lot we listened to it a lot when I was watching this I was just like looking at Anjeuk's face and how his hair was just like covering his face so much and how annoying it was I was just like can you please put sweep your hair aside it is poking you in the eyeballs that can't be comfortable for the love of God spare us and just sweep your hair aside in the late 90s that's that was everybody's hair. I think I also had like, you know, two strings of hair that like fell across my face, like just two strands like this on each side. I think that was my thing. <laughs> it's so embarrassing. Yeah, that was the hairstyle back then. So if you want to check out a classic Korean drama, this is the one to check out. So check out Pyorin de Gazume or A Star in My Heart or Wish Upon a Star. Today's guest is a very special guest. Her name is Heyeon Park. She uh, she and I met years ago um, in New York, where I was living, and we met while shooting a, f a short film together. And uh, she's a very talented actress and writer and director. She produced her own web series called Hey Yun. She also produced another web series called Brooklyn P.I., and I think it won a couple awards. Uh, Han is also a writer um, staff writer on HBO's High Maintenance. She was also an actor in that show, uh, an amazing show. And um, she is about to embark on a, another journey for herself, uh, for her life, for her creativity. And so I'm excited to talk to her about this stuff. And, you know, Han is also special in that, you know, she grew up watching a lot of Korean dramas in Korea, you know. And so, um, and, and we talk about how some of the influences are very visible on her own on her own projects so i'm very excited to talk to han so let's get into it with han park how long how long have you been in la now oh this will be my sixth year wow and i, I think i know the answer to this do you miss new york yeah. or elements of it of okay. course i do absolutely yeah. all the time i've only recently just started to like miss it a little bit less I used to think about it all the time, though. I still think about it all the time, yeah? But yeah, I guess if both can be true, you can miss New York but still love living in L.A. Yeah, I think that was the issue. I didn't love living here, you know? I really didn't. Mm. It took me a long time to acclimate and actually like it out here. Weren't you going to move out here? 
I was out there for like three months, three, four months. Uh-huh. And I was there for a job. So I really liked it. Like I had some friends. There yeah. was a place to go. Yeah. Um, so I, well, here's, here's something um, I'm a little scared of. I'm going to move back to Korea this summer. What? Move back for, not permanently. Oh, okay. Well, well, number one, my parents need my help taking care of my dad, like okay. his health. Yeah, so I'm going to live with them in Busan for a little bit. And yeah. I don't know, just this last year, I've been feeling like I genuinely kind of want to spend time with my family. Yeah. So do that. But I'm definitely going to I'm gonna try to like find a room to rent in Seoul and just kind of see what's out there in Seoul, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Because last time I was living in Seoul, I was just getting drunk and vomiting on the street. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> yep, that's the 20s that you spend in Seoul. Like, I know. You and don't I remember revisit those, <laughs> revisit those uh, vomit-laden streets <laughs> and see what inspiration is out there when you're sober. <laughs> exactly. When it's daylight, right? It's not not like 7 a.m. daylight when you like crossed into the daylight from the night before. Yeah. But like yeah. a healthy, proper daylight. Yes. Yep. Definitely. <laughs> and you, you went to Seogang, right? That's when you were living in Seoul? Yeah, good memory. Uh, yeah, I went to that school. Um, I saw you um, talking about the Sky drama. Mm-hmm. Oh, Sky uh, Castle. Oh sky Castle. What year was that on? I I don't think I like watched the whole thing. Came out in uh, late 2018, fall 2018. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. See, so with my um, relationship to K dramas have have been. You know, huge fan of it when I was an actual child, like mm-hmm. in the 90s. Yep. I watched them like even in the early 2000s. But since I've been in New York, I haven't like watched all like the the recent big ones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, because you don't go and rent them out on VHS tapes anymore. And it's not live broadcasting on your TV anymore. It's I like, know. where do you even find it? You know, that was the question in the early 2000s, well, I guess. That's true, and now it's just everywhere. Everywhere you turn to any, f- yeah, isn't that in- exciting and interesting? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But the last K drama that I really was emotionally invested in was Coffee Prince. Oh yeah, classic. Yeah, classic, classic. classic. I how old you? What, how old would you say about this? Me and my friend Sue Ann think that it's probably one of the most queer narratives in k-drama mm. even though technically yeah. it's not queer mm-hmm. it is a very queer narrative and i would say for up until recently it probably was but um there's a show that you must see it's called search www it came out last year i see im Sujung is in it um and a couple other women but um it's a very lesbian drama without it's like, and I say this in the last episode, but it's not even a subtext. It's like very prominently a theme. It's very lesbian. Um, even the, like, the WWW, even uh-huh. though it stands for like World Wide Web and like there's this, all this coding, it's like actually woman, woman, woman. So it's like this lesbian throuple tr- love triangle situation between these three women and the men even though it's got they force in this heteronormative narrative by giving the women like male um partners it's like they're very much like on the on the margins and like this really the obsession and the tension is all about the three women 
I see. And, Are they all yeah, coders? They're well. They're actually executives working at like a search engine company, similar to like Naver and Talm. You know, gotcha, uh, gotcha. they play fictionalized versions of that. And Naver um, was the first corporate Korean company to hire a woman as a CEO. So I did not know that. I think that also has something to do with the inspiration behind this, and it's got like it's very intense matriarchal energy as well. Um, and in 2020, uh, a lot of Korean dramas have been inserting queer characters in them. Itaewon, Itaewon's a big one. one? Mm -hmm. Dinner Mate is another. Uh, Record of Youth is another. Um, and uh, I have gone on the Park Bogum train. Oh my god! Recently yeah, too mm -hmm. because of he's great. Yeah, yeah. My, my Chinese friend just like got obsessed with him a few years ago, and he's great. So, yeah, I did finally watch Reply 1988. How good is that show? It's very good. How good is that show? Very good. Exactly. I watched that in smack in the beginning of the quarantine. Oh. So good. That sense of like, yes, neighborhood people taking care yeah. of each other. Raising the children together. Yeah. Feeding the same food because they pass around the dishes. Yeah. In no sense, it, it, it was a nostalgic piece, but it felt quite radical the way it was showing their family lives mm -hmm. and how they raise their children. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. Like, you know, the mothers are always sitting outside on that like peranda thing and just, you know, like you know, uh, just doing like, like prep work with like kungnamul or like whatever else, you know, just yeah. working to, to feed and to chat, you know, just, you know, shoot the shit kind of, shoot the you know? shit. And also, you know, I know a lot of people try to shy away from like talks about money and finances with friends, mm -hmm. but what I really liked was they all, they kind of had a system. The wealthiest one yeah. was very open to like sharing the wealth. Yep. It's very socialist, um, yeah. And I like that they were like pretty naughty too. The ajumas would get into a lot of mm -hmm. sexy, sexy talk. Sex too. talk, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was just like right, right there in your face. And yeah, um, I, I agree. Like because you know back then in the eighties, like Korea wasn't, you know, even even like the the whole like nineteen eighty eight Olympics. Like you know, in in the first episode, when Hitty's like so excited to be doing the the Madagascar, like you know girl to be holding up that sign like her older sister Pora who goes to Seoul National and who is a radical protester activist herself yeah. she's like do you have any idea what kind of damage the Olympics are inflicting upon our country and our people and our society you know because of the forced gentrification and the this whole force of like displaying Korea Seoul as a a developed nation which wasn't it wasn't anywhere near that economically at the time it was like oh my god we've procrastinated I mean, not that they have <laughs> but it was just giving like this fake deadline yes exactly and then, like all right we got to get rid of all the dog meat <laughs> restaurants clean up all the shit <laughs> burn them down the french actresses are coming for us <laughs> i guess we would call it, like performative gentrification 100%. Development. 100%. Yeah. You know, there's no way around it. And you know, to this day Korea is still like that. You know, they're a global trendsetter for a reason, you know, it's cuz people suffer in order to 
put on that kind of display at all times. You know, people repress and suppress and oppress in order to put on that kind of display at all times. Absolutely. Mm. Hey, have you seen a movie called Hummingbird by no, Kimbura? I haven't. It's a woman Ooh, made so it. It's, um, yes, Bora Kim. Um, I met her when she was doing her grad program in Colombia. I auditioned for her briefly. Mm. And then I just um, kind of kept my eye on her. But yeah, that was her first feature film. It nice. actually won a lot of awards. I think you would love it. Okay. I, it was, it really gave me a lot of hope in a sense that, wow, well, yeah. yes, there are fam filmmakers in Korea doing their thing. Mm -hmm. um, so she's yeah, Korean American or she's Korean, like fob she's Korean? She's Korean. She okay. like grew up in Korea and came, Got to, it. came here for grad, grad school. school. Um, okay. But yeah, Hummingbird. Mm, okay. And it has Hummingbird. distribution? I believe so. Okay. It had a run in Korea. Like their whole festival run was, I think, 2019. Mm, okay, so it should be out there. Yeah. All right, I'll look it up. Yeah. Thanks. Cool, cool. Because it's set in the 90s. Very oh, much in that sweet. Time. Oh, I love that. That I love. Yeah. yeah. Yes. You, you moved out of uh, Korea in the 90s, didn't you? I, so my journey's a little interesting because I was going to elementary school and middle school in the 90s and then like 98 oh. to 2001 our, our family was in maryland wow in maryland yeah. good god yeah and then back to korea for rest of high school and college wow yeah yeah, yeah. you bounced back so, but and I, forth a lot yeah yeah but i've been away from seoul from like 2006 mm. until now only visits mm-hmm and now my family, my whole family is in Busan, so I don't even really stop by Seoul these days when I visit. Right. That's interesting that they, they relocated to Busan, or were you, is your Goyang Busan? Goyang is Busan. Is it so really? My whole, yeah, my, my whole mom's side of the family is there, oh. and um, yeah, they had an apartment there. My grandpa had an apartment there that oh. my parents moved into. Where in Busan? So, um, where are my parents? They first lived in Heonde and now they live in um Pumpo. Okay. Pumporo. Mm. Yeah, like in one of those oh close to Kwangali. Okay. Like close to the beach. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's nice. I was actually born in Busan. I think I mentioned this. Oh yes, yes. Yeah, I grew up in Dongne Busan. Oh my god, that's where mm. my dad's maternal grandparents side lived. Nice. So we called them Dongne Harmony. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, yeah. I, I went back um, in 2000, maybe nine or 2010. I went back to Dongne for the first time since I left in 92. Is it pretty gentrified now? It is gone. Like everything I remember is completely gone. I remember like there was a shijang there. It was like yeah. very narrow. They had these orange, like, uh, how do you say? Like these like awnings not awnings but like uh like this it's like it's like a bag like an orange bag thing that mm. looked like a roof almost mm. and i just remember that orange like color so vividly and brightly and um yeah all the little kulmukki it was all gone i remember having to draw to get to um our grandparents there just like having to drive through these so really narrow, narrow super narrow yeah, yeah. And um, there was a mountain very close by that my dad and I used to go hiking and we would get like water from, you know, they had the little. Mm. Um, 
Spring water, right? Spring like, water, yep. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, mm -hmm. you also have grandparents in the rural area. Yeah, yeah. They live in Hapcheon. So oh, I loved I loved seeing your photos yeah. that you took from there. Yeah, I still I I still miss that place a lot. And I remember like I stayed there for just a couple of weeks. I was supposed to not even a couple, like I think one week. I was supposed to stay for just one night. Mm. And then I just told my emo, I was like just go home. I'll just stay here and then I'll take a bus back cuz I just want to spend time with them. Mm. And like I was just cooking meals for them that's all i did and just clean mm. just general housekeeping but it would take up a yeah. whole day just cooking for the elderly and making sure that they get their food on time when they expect it to be there yeah it's so important yeah. for seniors to have like routine like that just like it's important yeah. for children to have that routine and yet and also important for senior cats <laughs> and, and animals now. <laughs> yeah dogs cats they all need routine and yet in my life i have zero <laughs> routine and regularity it's like my past and future and the critters around me all have routine and yet i don't it was a, a big wake-up call for me mm -hmm. yeah when was the last time you visited them or last time you were even in korea yeah i was there in 2018 to 2019 just like from fall to winter just one nice. season and that's when i was watching sky yeah. castle live on jtbc on friday it was like oh my god that show was so fucking intense but yeah i love that um these cable channels and even web series mm -hmm. a lot of like radical content happening in in korea yes in terms of, yeah the, there's a, a researcher, I think she's at UT Austin. Uh, she's Korean. And uh, she wrote about like the web content in Korea. Mm. And uh, how they had like they had all these speculations that it's going to be like the next huge thing. Uh, because it doesn't have censorship laws like television does. You know, right. that's why it, they can be edgy. Yeah. Curse, do whatever. But yeah, um, sadly... Netflix has infiltrated Korea since 2017 and they're producing original content. Like when it says Netflix original, it's not always original. It's usually JTBC or TVN or KBS or NBC. Like, is it a collab then? Do they get involved just in the distribution? Um, I, they just stuff? buy out the acquisition. They just acquire the rights, the streaming rights for it. But they, they acquire it exclusively and that's what gives it the original label. But then original netflix produced korean tv shows there's only two there's kingdom that zombie show right and then the show called extracurricular okay i saw both of them dude how stressful were they <laughs> kingdom i like really loved and i watched with a bunch of friends mm -hmm. on facetime yes. and but yeah, extracurricular was extremely extra so stressful stressful it so was stressful. like okay <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I usually binge stuff, but I could not binge that one. I agree. I had to really, like, you know, taper. I had to be like, okay, like, I, all right, this is enough for now. Yeah. Yeah, super yeah. stressful. And you know who the, the writer's mother is? No. Is the writer of Moreshige. <gasps> so it's a two-generation two TV generation. writer. Yeah, wow. and Extracurricular is written by a man, which is... Wait a minute. I th Extracurricular... So the writer of extracurricular is a man, is a man and then his, his mother, mother is wrote the writer of Sandglass. Wow. Yeah. And for the listeners, like the writer who wrote Sandglass, 
I forget her last name, but her first name is China. I think it's Yijina or something. Yes, yes. Yeah. That sounds very, and yeah. She, she's like huge, huge, like she's like a huge showrunner in Korea. Mm. Yeah. Wow. I'm curious if writers like Kim Soo-hyun and Do Hee-kyung are, mm -hmm. are getting knocked on their doors for um, from Netflix too. I'm not sure. I think th what's happening is they're being like their content is being acquired for exclusive rights by Netflix. I know yeah. I know that yeah. Um yeah, so that's what's happening. I don't know gotcha. if like But I mean I have a lot of issues with that because Netflix will not buy out all the music rights. So if you did you watch um uh Ung Pai Pai on Netflix? Or on on demand Korea or something else, Vicky. I watched on it on Vicky. On Vicky, okay. Yeah. So Cocoa is the distributor for the Vicky and Netflix version of Reply 1988, and I noticed that they removed a lot of the original music cues, and some of the sound effects. They removed entire scenes because uh -huh. they didn't get music rights clearance. I see. And it's like the whole Reply series depends so much on music you know yeah music to so. trigger that nostalgic past and that memory and it's like now, i have a question about mm. that show the whenever they would cut to like commercials playing is why if it why why do we have it if everything's gonna be blurred out um yeah with the you mean like when they when the camera turns to like the television set and they blurt out the commercials yeah, and the movies so many of them were that also out. has to do with the clearance so they did not do their due diligence and get the clearance for the music you mean they, when they were even shooting the when in the, in the original production in the original production all of it is there it's there okay so like i watched that on on demand korea and on demand Korea, they just take whatever was broadcast in Korea and they extract it and they just put it into the streaming with okay. no with no subtitles oftentimes. So like since, you know, you know, you and I are fluent in Korean, you could just use on demand Korea yeah. to watch it and you'll see the original version without all this the blurring and the censoring and gotcha. the the erasure of the music and erasure of the content. Like the reply nineteen ninety four, have you seen Reply nineteen ninety four? No, I'm probably going to watch the 1997 one next. Oh, yeah. I mean, both of them are great. They're great. Uh -huh. But yeah, Reply 97 came out first, and then it was 94, and then it was 88. And you'll see, like, the quality of it kind of, you know, there's a big difference in terms of the quality mm. of production value and quality because of the, at the time, cable was still relatively new. When 97 came out, they didn't really believe in this project. They didn't really believe in the writer and director. That's right. By 88, the editing is like so sophisticated and like yeah. bigger Very actors right. and all that shit. But um, yeah, I, I, just watch the original version on On Demand Korea, I would say, because... I didn't know about this this platform, On Demand Korea. Yeah, my mom watches a lot of her shows on On Demand Korea because gotcha. they air it in Korea... And then 24 hours after that airing period, it's available on On Demand Korea. But Is the, it subscription-based? It's subscription-based, yes. But you could watch it for free with ads. I see. Um, but like, I, I welcome ads. I like to yeah. have moments where I can go pee. <laughs> yeah. Get, get a, a bite snack. to eat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. On Demand Korea is great, but the issue with On Demand Korea is like they're very unstable. And a lot of these uh, streaming platforms is unstable because like 
I'm committed to watching like a variety show, for instance, right? Like I was really mm-hmm. into watching You Quiz, You Quiz on the Block with uh, You Just Hook. And they fucking got rid of it like after a few episodes into season two because like not enough people were watching. But I'm like, I'm, but I'm watching. I'm watching. I want to see it. But they would just get rid of their shit like without any announcement beforehand. They would just get rid of it. And that instability is like, that drives me insane. Uh Yeah. So I'm envious Uh of your position of going to Korea and getting to watch you quiz on the block regularly. But yeah, you you did web series. You made a couple web series. Yeah, I made web series. Um, one kind of like an autobiographical. I think I was trying to work out some just, you know, anything we make is just something we're trying to work, make yes. sense out of in our heads. And mm-hmm. That one was like me and my rage stage. Mm-hmm. Are you talking about the Heyun um, version? Yeah, the Heyun web series that was like, I call it, it's, it's a comedy about an angry, whimsical Korean woman. Mm-hmm. And um, so that was, I did that DIY. And then, yeah, that's what kind of got me started. That was like my first, one of my first attempts to like, okay, I've trained as an actor now. Like I want to try making stuff. Yeah. Produce and yeah. direct and all of that. I yeah. I really like that show, actually. Um, I remember you. like the first... I think the first episode, you're like brushing your hair. <laughs> you just throw the hairbrush. Like... <laughs> I was just like, this is so funny. This is great. <laughs> and you have a uh, training in clowning, right? Um, self-taught, self-taught. Mm. But um, I used to do a lot of burlesque performances as my clown character named Ancient Toddler mm. because um, she's kind of like a fucked up toddler, but... Mm-hmm. With a lot of wisdom, ancient wisdom. Yes, I like it. Yeah, <laughs> I have a, a couple other friends who are um, in show business. They also have clown training. They perform clown. And uh, yeah, their whole like philosophy behind clowning is like so, so interesting. I love it. Yeah, the whole yeah, rationale. It's, yeah, when I was really going hard on doing that and making up acts, like it was like I was possessed by some force. Mm-hmm. And are you you're, you're still in your PhD program as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's wrapping up. It's wrapping up very soon. I'm gonna finish nice. in June. Congratulations! So. Thanks. Yeah. Wow, Paksahagi, you did it. <laughs> yeah, the I know. Ultimate right? Korean um, dream <laughs> to get to get that PhD. It's honestly, it's not that big of a deal. Like, it's a big of a, it's a big deal for some, but like for me, it's not. I mean, it's a big deal in the sense that like. You know, my parents didn't go to college, you know, so it's a big deal in that sense. But like neither of my parents really think that it's a big deal that I'm getting a Ph.D. Mm. Like, honestly, my dad, he said I remember I was like 17 and I was more interested in painting my nails than doing math. And my grades were very average, you know, and Mm. he was like, he's like, just fucking forget about college and just go to Kunde, just join the U.S. Army. And I was like, what? Like, what kind of thing is that to say to your daughter? You know, like, we're on a full-on war. This was in 2004 when, like, U.S. was, like, in a full-on state of war in the Middle East. And you wanted you off to Iraq. Just ship me off to die, you know? (laughs) He's like, you're better off dead than going to college and wasting my money. And I'm just like, you know, like, 
Weyarabaji said the same thing to Amma, you know, like, because my mom didn't go to college. Um, she didn't, she barely finished high school even. Like, she was sent off to work at a factory. She was a yagong. She was sent off to work at a factory when she was like 14, 15 years old. Uh-huh. Her, her and her older sister. And they would work during the day and then they would like sort of splice in like lessons during and they also had dorms to live in so they were literally shipped off away from home and like to this day i think my mom has damage from that you know like Uh and for my you're still young and you're abruptly separated by your family yeah when you're a teenager and you know like they grew they grew up in an agrarian household where everybody slept together in the same rooms and mm. ate together in the same rooms and worked together all day and she had like a bunch of sisters and brothers and then to like just ship them off ship her off like that alone as a child is like fucked up and my dad was saying the same thing it's like forget about school cuz my grandfather didn't believe in education and girls you know my grandfather's very patriarchal sexist in mm. that way you know and my dad was pretty much saying the same thing to me. And I remember my mom interjecting and be like, and she never did. You know, my mom was a huge fucking pussy when it came to my dad, oftentimes, you know, a pushover. And I always, to this day, I have a lot of issues with that. But like, um, when my dad was like, just forget about college, you know, either go to join the US Army or just like come work for my company. And my mom mm. was like, no. <laughs> you're gonna she's gonna go to college and i'm glad she said that because you know when you're 17 like you're very easily swayed into doing things that you don't fully know about or believe in yeah i mean when i thought you were gonna say your your dad was like you know what if you don't like studying just like go to beauty school become a <laughs> become a nail artist yeah. but um those were different times <laughs> he his brain went to war his brain went to war war what kind of money can i get out of, out of her death death potentially or <laughs> you know what honor because like we were also undocumented for so many years you know and like i think maybe that also has something to do with it anyway it was like fucked up and so um yeah. like getting a phd it's, it's... for me is like a big fuck you to him you know i mean huge yeah huge i love it i love it it's I mean, I, I'm coming to a part of my life where, you know, when I think about, you know, our past, I think the first time we hung out, we just like dove deep into intergenerational trauma. And, you know, now I, I try to like piece together the narrative of like, okay, they were so hell bent on trying to um, create some kind of stability for us that mm-hmm. any kind of present happiness just went out the door. Went out, yeah, yeah. trying to survive stability. on yeah. a day-to-day. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, I think being working class, you know, uneducated, not knowing the language, being in a new country and having young kids in tow, I think all of that will, it's a formula, it's a recipe for this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. After you did Heian, you did uh, mm-hmm. Brooklyn P.I. Yeah, BKPI. I made another web series about three women, um friends who kind of accidentally become PIs mm-hmm. by um by solving a crime in a bodega and then they just <laughs> yeah. kind of so this was we we shot this in 2016 in the summer mm. before the election and yeah just the sense of like okay there are communities that don't get the attention that they need and mm-hmm. just them DIY style trying to solve issues and conflicts 
the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So that that web series I made with Super Deluxe, um, mm -hmm. a company who that's no longer with us. But um, mm. yeah, so the, but that, it was really fun. I really yeah enjoyed making that and meeting new friends. Yeah, it was a hilarious show. I remember oh, like a couple scenes. Like there was one scene when uh, you guys catch a he was like a like a sexual assaulter or something yeah he was a flasher he was a flasher <laughs> that's such a okay <laughs> see this is what i mean you have these very like deeply korean things that are embedded into your work and i don't i don't know if it's intentional or if it's just there but like this whole notion of the flasher like the the pabari ajushi the pabari men is yeah. like very much like in our it's in our consciousness yes as a culture in korea Totally. No, I think I really enjoy embedding those details in there. Um, even like in the just like a shot where it's just passing me by, like I'm playing like Kongi yes. um, on, yes. the, on the deli floor. So, no, I, I think you're my prime audience. For yeah. Those little, yeah. Little secrets. Yes. In those there. are the secrets. Those are the secrets for the, the Koreans, you know, who get it, yeah. who see it. And, and for a very specific <laughs> demographic of Koreans living in America are like the 1.5 generation Koreans or like the FOB yeah. Koreans. It's a very specific demographic. And then even like the scene when um, I think it was like one of the last episodes of BKPI, but like you're at a stranger's house or an apartment and your stomach starts growling and you're like, oh shit, yes. I have to use the bathroom. And I'm like, this is such a Korean moment. Like, <laughs> this oh, is... tell me more about that. Is it? You mean it in is. Terms of the... It is in terms of like the the stomach going kororok, making that sound. And then they're like, oh, yeah. shit, I have to take a poop right now. <laughs> like, right now. No matter what it takes, they have to take a shit. And it's like, for Koreans, like, like we see it in every sitcom. We see it in, like, a lot of Korean dramas, too. Like, they're very open about shitting and pooping, you know? I mean, Even... I think that is a big part of our culture. It is. Like being candidly talking about that. About pooping and digestion yeah. all the time. I think... A lot of Americans at this point are kind of aware of that 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 quality in Korea. In Korea, you think so? <laughs> I mean, I'm a I've always been I've been a lifelong philosopher of poop. I just felt very comfortable always talking about yeah. it. I don't go to the extent of sending photos of my yeah, own no, poop my to people. Goodness. No, it's not. But necessary. it's I I when I you know when I catch up with a friend, I ask them like. How you doing? How you been? How you been sleeping? How you been pooping? Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, those are important questions, life questions. You know, doctors I mean, ask those questions too. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So uh, when I saw that, I was like, oh, this is a very Korean moment. You know, it's similar <laughs> to the kungi and it's similar to the pabari men. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I in the morning before I leave the house, if I do, if I'm not able to, like since that since I turned thirty, like. If I don't release it in mm. the morning, yeah, something bad's gonna happen. It's, so it's a I bad always, omen. before any kind of commitment, I make sure that okay, in order to show up there, yeah, or you know, even if it's like a Zoom situation, yes. like okay, must poop, must beforehand. poop, yeah, 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 something got to take care of beforehand. <laughs> yeah, I was watching some of the clips of your stand-up, and I love, I love this. You have this swagger and, like groundedness and like i love the the quality of your voice when you're like really like getting people into the story no i'm really like very inspired by you oh thank you very kind of you to say yeah 
No, oh, I, you yeah. love it, right? Oh, of you course, yeah. Yeah. It's nothing. Well, here's the thing. Inspired by you, mm. when I do go to Korea in mm. in um, and when I spending some time in Seoul, I want to try to hit up some open mics there. Do it. There. I'll put you in touch with some of the people I know. Oh my God, yeah. that'd be amazing because I saw that there is a scene there. There's it's a kind scene. Kind of a. A new stand because stand up comedy is not a traditional kind of form in mm. Korean pop culture. It's yeah. a very new form, but actually, um, Korea did have stand up comedy in like the 30s, in the 20s and 30s. Ooh. Yeah, they used to make record albums. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Would it be with like in a kind of form of pansori or no. just, just one person? They called okay. it mandam back then. Mandam. And, um, you know, later on, like in the 50s and 60s, it transformed into more of like a two person act or three person act. And that's why today on variety shows, you have a huge panel of people up there together as a group. There's an ensemble cast and all that shit. But like before that, it was just one guy with a mic on stage, cracking people up, doing jokes, punchline, punchline, punchline. And, um, you know, like even when even during the Korean War, you know, and then when like like when the U.S. soldier before the Korean War, when the U.S. soldiers arrived mm. and they were occupying Korea in the 19 like after 1945, after Korea's liberation from Japan, like yeah. when the U.S. soldiers just reoccupied all those spaces. Yeah. There was a, a mandam performer who was just like making fun of uh, uh, American soldiers. And then he got canceled wow. by the government, like the government made him illegal, mm. made his record sales illegal, and then he became like a like a white book person. He just left South Korea, <sighs> went to the north. I'll look, yeah. I'll look it up. There's this whole history with Mandam. And then, you know, today mm. people think of Mandam as like banter between two comedians. You know, they 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 say they remember from like radio times and then early T V times and that's true. But like Mandam was also a solo performance as well. And then all of that went away. It disappeared because, again, of like um, censorship and suppression. Yes. And then, um, especially politi- when we had those um, in the seventies and eighties, military the dictatorships. dictatorships. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, but political entertainment was always kind of there. It was always kind of there. Um, and then you know it, they try to implement it into variety shows, but then like you know that also started to suffer from censorship. And now, variety TV, you hardly have any political talk whatsoever. But yeah. then um, podcasts and radios started to do their own thing with political banter. So yeah, um, it's always there. I mean, some form of stand-up act is always kind of there. Uh, it's just uh, this concept of going to a comedy club listening to one person on stage with a mic just doing joke after joke punchline after punchline that's relatively novel to contemporary korean society but yeah. um yeah a lot of and like, i like that mm. it's a lot of like korean americans who like expats who, not not expats korean americans who come back and like do their acts in english and in korean yeah yeah, yeah, very few people do that. I've I've done it in both languages. Danny Cho, he's actually an LA comic, and he moved yeah, out I'm... to Korea a few years ago. And he's... I saw like a um, like a little docu documentary on him. Yeah, yeah. Danny Choi, that's right. Danny Cho, C-H-O. Cho. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was he's from East LA. He born and raised in East LA, like Boyle Heights area, I think. Oh yes. Yeah, I and uh, um, I remember watching his video clips when I was like. 
in college. And mm. I was just watching YouTube clips. And then, like, shortly Aww. after I met him, like, he moved to fucking Korea. And um, I think he, like, signed up with an agent out there. And he did a couple of variety nice. shows. And, like, they were trying to redress him, like, into this, like, fobby-looking fat boy prince. It was, like, so <laughs> bizarre and hilarious. But, um, yeah, there was a comedy club in Korea, in Gangnam, for, a, a, like, less than a year. They were hemorrhaging money. They they completely shut down but the guy who opened that club um he's a i think he lived in the united states for a little while so he has this understanding and concept of what a comedy club is and i think he had this vision for it but unfortunately opened it up in Gangnam, which is very expensive and yeah that's a hard sell it is you know like itaewon i get all right yeah but Gangnam, why you know like I mean, but also even in Gangnam, if something gets popular, I know I, I think Koreans like really like get on top of yeah. it too. So it just has to. But it needs but to I... be elegant and it needs to be expensive and sophisticated. But like comedy club scene isn't elegant and expensive no. and sophisticated. It might be expensive. I think it loses it loses its essence if it become if the venue is too fancy. Yeah, it's like a, it's a base form of art performance art it's base it's for the people it's not about dressing up and going out somewhere you know but right. that's the scene in Gangnam so there were a lot of contradictions going on but w- the upside to that was I got to see a lot of Korean stand-up comics um, doing their act and quite a few How were they yeah quite a few used to be variety show like sketch comics you know like the people who like started out in- to folks yeah, yeah, Kegu Konsatu, or yeah, 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 yeah. A couple of them were Kegu Konsatu alums. I see. Yeah. And they're doing like either like punchline, one liner jokes, or kind of, are there, were there people doing long form kind of storytelling style? Most comedy? of them were doing long form storytelling com- comedy. That's the thing. Actually, if you ever sign up for On Demand Korea, you can check out this thing called Stand Up, which is on. It's like it's like a Korean version of like HBO, like stand up special where mm-hmm. all these um variety like sketch and variety show comedians who've been doing it forever, like Pang Nare, like Pang Misan, these people, yeah. they do stand quote unquote stand up, but it's really just them talking. And um they don't have set up punchlines, set up punchline like it should, you know? Like in in the States and in the UK where stand up comedy has a longer history they know that like laughs per minute right that's what we're striving for as many laughs per minute as you can so set a punchline set a punchline or punchline tag 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 like that's how you want to get into it but they're they're sketch comics you know they had writers for them or they also helped conceive of the sketch together and it's not stand-up comedy it's different so Mm -hmm. um sometimes watching it can be a little frustrating in fact pangnare she has a stand-up comedy special on Netflix. I, Bangnare is yeah. kind of like she's not skinny, thin. She's, she's short, a little, right, right, and rounder. Stout. Yes, yeah. yes. I, yeah. I watched her in some kind of other reality show, and I was very charmed by her. those. She's great in. She's great at like on the spot, on the cuff riff, improvising like in re in real time. She's great at that. But when she did her stand- Netflix stand-up special. This bitch was reading off fucking monitors. Like, you could see her reading off of monitors on the stage. And I'm just like, dude, come on. Like, that 
to me is like so offensive as a stand-up i'm like this is a disgrace you know like part of the whole task of being a comic is like the potential that you might forget your lines you might forget your act that's the risk you go up on stage carrying and she's up there reading from these monitors and you could see her eye line like going down on the monitors and i was just mm, like what are uh-oh. you doing and then yeah. um netflix was gonna do their first ever comedy festival in los angeles and pangnare was fucking booked at the wiltern theater in k-town wow. and she was gonna do her special there now i was gonna end was this supposed to happen in 2020 it was supposed to happen in may 2020 and all of it of course got canceled Oh my god, would you ever heckle? Like, no, never. <laughs> it's a whole culture that's um, that's not fully transferred over to South Korea at the time, but uh, there's definitely a scene. There's definitely some things happening. So yeah, I, I definitely encourage you to go. And the people who are there are really wonderful. Yeah. I'm excited for that. I mean, th- that's what... Like, you know, my college friends in Korea are like, why would you come back to Korea? Like, it's probably much better there. And I'm like, I just want to go see and meet some people. Why does everything have to be so, like, oriented towards, like, a career goal? I agree. Let me be, goddammit. And and this whole, like, journey back to Korea is also part of your lived experience and your creative experience that could potentially become... It's a big homecoming. Yeah. It's a big homecoming. It's another. Yeah. It's another pilot, or it's another movie, or it's another <laughs> web series. As far as I'm concerned, you know. And yeah. you're going to be in a wonderful city, Busan. You know, Busan is great. And so I've been trying to connect with um, folks in Korea on Instagram. Like I found this artist who has actually sold School of Burlesque. There's a school Burlesque School in Seoul. Yeah. Um, Cause I, I love, um, yeah. I know a bunch of like erotic performers who are in Asia yeah. and then some um, plus size modeling nice. has started happening. So yeah. I'm trying to do that. And Get I don't know, it. I think yeah. art and this type of like stand up comedy in particular, mm-hmm. I wonder if that's a place where Korean diasporic communion can happen. It can, it can. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, just there's definitely an expat community there. I know Busan definitely has a stand up thing, like an expat stand up really? scene. Really? Yeah. When you say sorry, expat, what does that mean exactly? Means like, um, like any American or Scottish We're, or Irish or I see, I see. British person who lives there now, who now lives in Korea. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. So that means I could actually, that's I'm that's new information for me. So in Busan, I could even hit up some huge mics. scene. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay. I think it's just one. I think it's called a. It's called the hole. It's called the hole. <laughs> yeah. And it was at a bar in, I think, in Hyundai. Yeah. So nice. um, it's easy to find. Yeah. I did, okay. a, I did a show there with uh, some of the... There were, there were some um, Korean women who speak English very fluently. Uh-huh. Because they lived in the U.S. for college or high school or something. Or, yeah. or in Australia or whatever. And so they uh, speak both languages. So we were doing it in English. We did an English stand-up show in Busan. Yeah. Oh, thanks for this intel. Yeah. Excited. Yeah. Yeah. You can definitely do both. I would say do Mm -hmm. both. And Mm. there is a scene. I was watching um, uh, High Maintenance during the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I. Did you have you seen the show show beforehand? No, no, no. My friend, my friend Erica, she's a comic in Berlin. She was like, check out High Maintenance. And I was like, 
all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. I kept putting it off. And then, you know, pandemic time. And I was like, I got, I got no excuses, you know? So I started watching it and I just like, I was so into it. Like, so, it's so show. it's an amazing, it's like the ideal show for me. It's like, yes, no, like through line, no consistent narrative, just random people all the time. Every episode, spontaneity, newness, freshness, reset, reset, reset. I was like, I'm, I'm into it. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. They're all like separate shorts yes have you seen their what like when their episodes when they were just making it on their own the web series that originally i didn't yeah. i didn't oh my god though some of those are even like yes of course hbo budget cool but like yeah. some of those are like even more brilliant okay actually, i'll check i out. was watching that show when i was trying to make my web series pay uh... on and like oh my god look at these guys i even like try to like make my website kind of copying off of their website <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> And then yeah. you get to you get to you know perform for them and write for them. Yes. So I for for their season three, I was in their writers' room briefly, um, in their brainstorming stage, and then I ended up playing a role in one of the episodes. Yes. You were in a so couple episodes. Was, I saw. Yes, I was. I first yes, I first was um, worked with them as an actor. I got I, I auditioned for it, and then yeah, it was a really cool experience. And I was already such a fan of the show so good and i became a stoner kind of around the time i started working for that uh, show yeah so for sense. me it's almost has a little bit of like a spiritual hunch to it like yeah. brooklyn yeah yeah Timing. are you somebody who enjoys the the greens i well i'm in la and uh you know it's like oh land, that was my favorite part land of the free man right <laughs> land of the free but i don't really i don't really um take advantage of it that much i started because i don't like to smoke i don't like to inhale smoke because i quit cigarettes a bunch of years ago and i don't really like to smoke so Mazel tov. i started um doing edibles like around three years ago because i had a really bad insomnia and then oh. uh yeah and but like i don't really like to um uh do weed that much because it makes me not for you well it just kills my motivation too much yeah uh, i also I get migraines so for migraines it's amazing but then the whole day is gone like i'll just be stoned and i'm just like interesting gonna be out i'm not gonna be working at all but then the recovery from that like the day after i was stoning stoning or a couple days after or a week I'm still like my motivation is still gone. So it's very dangerous for me to um, get into too heavily. Yeah. For me, I started using it medicinally for my depression. So for me, I smoke it in order to kind of w get up and be social. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, and I've tried like, I, I've tried experimenting with writing. Like, it's really great for like, brainstorming stage and when you actually have to do a lot of disciplined work i go easier on it but yeah i am really i have this dream of really um being a part of advocating cannabis in korea because mm. i really think grace yeah i really think it can help koreans you know koreans used to be stoners they used to they used to smoke Kinda. hash now are you talking to like early night like way back in the way day, back or? in the day yeah when it was still an yeah. agrarian country they smoked hash yeah. all the time what did they what did they call it do you know the word i mean i kanja like, like my mom knows the, knows the word kanja 
I, there's a word. No, well, I'll look it up. I mean, the but, slang but, for I it mean, is "thar," but I think it's more for weed. Yes. Yeah. My little box with my weed stuff in it. Is, um, I wrote outside "thar." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like crazy smoke hash. But actually, uh, last year or something, I saw some news that um, Seoul is trying to make medicinal marijuana legal. I found a rapper named Big Stacks who is very much like doing that kind of um, work to re-educate people about weed. And he got people yeah. to sign petition and yeah. stuff. Yeah, Korea needs to remember its past. Remember yes, your okay. past. Remember a more chill past before you guys were all killing yourselves because you drink too much booze. You were a weed yeah. nation. I mean, booze is, I know it has its purposes, but I think a if killer. a lot of us could move away from yeah it's like korea the korean work system is designed to kill people off like you you have high, very demanding work hours right like just only recently and reduced the work hours down to 50 a week reduced it yeah. down to 50 a week only recently yeah. and um like they have a fucking hishik duties which is it requires a lot of drinking a lot of yeah. forced interaction with people that you would rather just like not hang out with, you know, yeah. like, you know, and yeah, and then you have to go to work the next day, you know, lack of sleep, too much alcohol, too much stress, too much work. I mean, functioning alcoholism is prevalent, prevalent in Korea, in Korea. but then alcoholism isn't really considered that big of an issue in Korea. They don't really consider I it. I did a, a look disease. up, there are AA meetings that happen, but it's not. It's not in the mainstream. It's not in the mainstream. And I think culture and media and art is the way to introduce these things. But my friend, wait, we have our mutual friend, Hyungsuk. Mm. So I have been roommates with him for mm -hmm. years now. So he's mm -hmm. in Korea, but we I live in the apartment that he still is living in. Oh, wow. Um, but yeah, we have a, I mean, we go way back to our early 20s yes. college years. Yes. But he said, he told me that there is a shift happening in Korea that where drinking, at least in his kind of artist circles, like where it's not as forced, it's not as obligatory and people respect sobriety a little more. Isn't that interesting that the artists are the ones who are the most woke when it comes to drinking? Yeah. And they, this whole time they thought, oh, artists are the biggest boozers. And it's like, yeah, well not so much now it's like we need to be able to do our art make our art and when we're not in a functional yeah. state it's hard to do that i also just think when it comes to healing parts of our souls um it does, it's not true for everybody but weed i think has the potential of you know finding an in way into some sort of healing whereas i don't think mm -hmm. alcohol has mm -hmm. that quality no alcohol just makes you very anxious just, yeah just it, cover up all the pain cover and, it up ah! cover it up and then the next morning you just deal with the shame of it you know and like <laughs> so you ch chugged down some chamisu in your videos too no oh my god that was in march when i made the chamisu video when i was drinking and doing the johnny yoon video that was in march yes yeah yeah, yeah. okay that i was getting very loaded for too to do yeah i still very much like miss the sensation of snapping my wrist like this <laughs> after some time gift side yeah <laughs> but um yeah i personally have stopped drinking because 
it doesn't mesh well with my um, antidepressant med- medication. It's a bad combination. Yeah. 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 But yeah, it's that's going to be a task for me. Like, what is it going to be like to be back in that world where I was mostly drunk? <laughs> and, you know, my friends are all huge drinkers, too. I'm sure now that, you know, they have kids and stuff, so they have they don't drink as much. But like, what is it going to be like? to revisit that space without that without yeah. alcohol. I I'm excited for you to find out. Yeah. And like yeah. what kind of people will you now encounter now that you're not boozing as much, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And also like this one another thing that kind of really sparks my heart is early this last year, 2020 before yeah. the quarantine, I was just going down like a YouTube black hole. Yeah. No, this was a bright hole actually. Um <laughs> <laughs> and there were some documentary videos done on queer people in Korea in their 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. And most of them were like queer lesbians. And yes. some of them didn't want to be, some of them wanted to stay anonymous. So they would just like show footage of them talking mm-hmm. with, their, with their hands and yeah. stuff. But there was a group of them. And this one woman, I forgot her name, but she is like, late 60s like kind of yeah very much dressed like you know presenting um more masculine and like um, non-binary and she had run a wine bar she ran a bar in i think it was itaewon no where is that neighborhood famous kalguksu myeongdong myeongdong so um and then but yeah she's kind of this figure in that world and I I just kind of like burst into tears like yeah. I never thought that I could see an older person older queer person yeah. living in their body in Korea and you know I learned these words chimashi pajishi oh is that feminine mask they would yeah wow isn't that good? like they would when they're talking she was um all together they would talk about that stuff like casually right she was a chimashi yeah and like wait that's i know it's like binary but like it's it's a very cute expression it is for femme and mass it is i love that oh i love that and actually the video yeah i'll send you the video please send it i love that i think years ago um it might have been 10 years ago it was this show called Daughters of Bilitis on KBS, and it was a drama oh. about a lesbian community. Yeah. Interesting. Very short oh. miniseries, like maybe six, seven episodes or something. I've been looking for it everywhere. I can't find it. but um, Some shows we, I just can't find. That's the that's the shitty thing is like, yeah, there's a lot that, you know, especially like for you and I, because like during our adolescent years, we watch these like old school Korean dramas and like especially during lockdown, like I just feel nostalgic for some kind of comfort in the past and I want to dig them up, you know, and a lot of them are hard to find. Like even that's why I've been just, yeah, that's why I just go on YouTube and there's like little, (laughs) they have these like drama, like kind of like the, what do you call it? Little cliff note version of it. So, so you I watched really... it. Did you watch it? The on that? Yeah. 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 What was it like revisiting that? can't believe this was that popular <laughs> it was because it was a huge thing huge. i remember ratings i were remember huge. like in like in seventh grade mm-hmm. in korea we went on a field trip and all everybody wanted to do at 10 p.m 
was come back from the fireplace and just watch the it was the last episode yes um i mean i i watched it having a lot of feelings like oh yeah first of all it's hard not to think about the tragic ending of chitinshu oh, the God. main actress rest in peace yeah i mean this is a, okay content warning suicide um yeah when i was watching some of the clips um hanging out with my roommates mm. who are americans and you know there was no subtitle so they're just kind of like we were having fun kind of like pretending mm. what, what they know what this mm-hmm. what's going on and then i was like oh you know this person committed suicide mm. and then i and then i just kind of like carefully said oh and also her brother committed suicide and then her and husband her ex-husband. committed ex-husband and then my roommates were convinced i was doing a bit like no, this is not a bit. It's, it's real. It's true. <laughs> it's reality. Imagine being the children of Chijinshi and that. I think about their player. kids. Yeah. Uncle, mother, father, all of them. And their grandmother, I think, raised. I mean, they must be adults now. I'm. I was. I always think about. I hope there was somebody in their life that brought them to therapy. But um, yeah. So I thought a lot about that and. Um, it was really nice to see. I forgot that Chun Doyan was in it. Oh, Chun Doyan! She was so young. Before, How like, cute a... are they with their young? Like they still have the baby fat on their face. It's so cute. Yeah, it was before she broke out as a huge like cinema as a star. Huge but... star. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, she was great. And I mean, um, Chaim Pyo Chaim is a big, <laughs> big fan favorite. <laughs> I really think he worked on his acting through the years. And, he, of course. But of course. there was a lot of like, you know, like, oh, I loved the kind of like, <sighs> a lot of love this. Yeah, the turning and. Yeah. <laughs> was, like the turning. Dramatic turns. Dramatically turning and like making sure that your eyes don't meet the camera, like pretending to look at something in the distance that's much more important than the camera. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Chaimpyo has a movie on Netflix, I think. It's called finding mr cha or something it's Damn, like a, is a reality show no it, it's it's a really weird movie it's a very i haven't weird... seen have you seen soul searching i know he was in that movie i i can't watch it just yet i don't know i have um there's some there's some issues i don't know there's something i need to gotcha. get over in order to watch it it's like it's i like see. whenever like a korean american makes something like i need to prepare myself for either disappointment it's usually disappointment you know what i mean so I haven't been able to muster enough courage yet to watch it, but yeah, um... I have. For some reason, that movie I haven't yet visited either. There's some mm. kind of, I think, mental block. Yes. I mean, sometimes it's jealousy, but yeah, yeah, I do want to. Did you? Oh my god, sorry. Now I'm just kidding. No, it's okay. If I get to, we're just gossiping. Go. Um, yeah. Did Did you watch Gook? Gook, I did By see. Ju- yeah. yeah, I saw yeah. it during the festival. Yeah. I wrote a small um, piece about it. Oh, gotcha. I I underst- I see the problematic stuff in it, but I still very much enjoyed it. Me too. I thought it was yeah. an accomplished movie. It had some yeah. some problems, but I thought all the performances are really great. Yeah. And I love my favorite thing about that movie is um the the chair that he had at his store he had the bead the beaded wooden beaded seat cover thing that you see in so many oh, Korean Ajishis, yes. taxi cabs and shit that detail i was like that that made the movie for me you know again this is that internal coding thing 
but the details are very important. So I think, when, important when we're watching stuff. It yeah. makes or break a cultural authenticity, you know, yeah. shine or or not. You know, it's like it's it's very yeah. very important. I um I really I'm excited for and hope it comes out great. Um, Peter Kim, you're friends with Peter Kim. Peter, right? yeah. The dead, deadline just announced it. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I I have been a huge fan of Bob Bobby Lee's. Um, <laughs> Come on. His podcast, Tiger and like, Belly. I, yeah. His journey, really. His journey is incredible. He candidly shares. I mean, he was the first man who I, first Korean who I heard publicly talk about like corporal punishments gone wrong with with his Korean father, and mm-hmm. it was just. Ever since I've all been obsessed with him, but yeah, him really going through, you know, everything from um, I think he was in he's he's sober now yeah. and there he's in therapy, therapy and his journey with Kalila, mm-hmm. his girlfriend. Um, yeah, I I really I want to I don't know what this I want to meet him. I don't know if not necessarily in a work context. I just want to be able to, just have like, a chat with him, right? Chat with him. I know. Day. Me too. I'm so curious if we will jive or not. Yeah. I just like, I want to just go to like Korean barbecue with him and just like, you know, talk over Kaibi or something. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that day will come. The three of us. Will, I'm sure you will. We'll, we'll I mean, get he Kaibi should have you on Bobby Tiger Belly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know, but yeah, I, I love Peter's comedy. First of all, like I think his comedy is amazing. So great. Um, and he's like a fun hang too. Like he's really fun to hang out. Like he did this thing uh right before the shutdown. Like right before it was like in February, I think. Um he organized like an LA Korean American like c- comedians kind of get together. Like a soiree. Yeah, but like we were gonna meet in K Town, like get Tokboki and Sunde and then go to Norebang for like hours, right? And uh he kept telling me and my friend Sam, Sam O, he's another Korean American comic out here, super funny and an amazing writer. Um, he, he he kept telling me and Sam, he's like, oh, Steve Yun's going to be here. And we're like, shut up, dude, shut up. He's like, no, no, I'm serious. Like, I'm friends with Steve Yun. Like, we met at this thing. He's going to come. And we're like, okay, uh-huh. dude, shut up. All right, whatever. And like, <laughs> Sam and I are, we were driving from the Tukboki place to the other place and we were just like, like quiet, you know. Uh-huh, <laughs> we're like uh-huh. thinking, like, cause he got in our fucking heads. We're like, exactly. We were just like, oh, I mean, Peter's bullshitting us. Like, Steve Young's not gonna be there. Come on, you know. But then, like, there's this desire in us to meet yeah. Steve Young, you know. Yes. And we're just like, I, but whatever. Like, he's he's full of shit. And we're like, yeah, yeah, he's full of shit. He's full of shit. And we park and we go into the Norebang place and we're like hanging out, you know, but like we're still like looking at the door. Peter speaks Korean very fluently too, right? He does, but he speaks like a, like a Queens, like a Flushing boy Korean, you know, like, That's so good. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, Sam and I, we kept looking at the door, you know, whenever somebody would come in thinking that it might be Steve Young, but we're like, no, 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 like whatever. And then yeah. Peter goes, you guys, Steve's here. Steve Young's here. And oh we look God. and it's a guy, but it's not. Steve Yun and we had to pretend like oh nice to meet you Steve I'm Grace I'm Sam I'm so and so and like Sam and I were looking at each other like it's a different Steve and Yun so embarrassed like a complete like no name kind of who gives a shit guy named Steve 
that Peter was bullshitting us about like all night just to fuck with us. And like Sam and I were looking at each other with like this look of like humiliation and rage. And just (laughs) and to this day, to this day, Sam and I are like every once in a while, we'll just like we'll be talking about something. And then randomly we'll just be like, I'm still like so embarrassed and mad at Peter for pulling that shit on us. Like he had us so good. And we probably is friends with friendly with Steven. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, whatever. I mean, Steve, I'm I'm excited for that movie Minari with um. Oh, it's beautiful. I've yeah, seen it. Yeah, like Yoon Yeo-jung and like fucking. What's what's her what's her name? Eddie? What's her name? I don't know her. She's been in a lot of K-dramas. a lot of no. She's been in a lot of like like Korean indie films. Um, she has that. Uh, she has that look. She's I, been in so many. I'm very. I felt I was very. Hanyeri. Hanyeri. I think movie. is her name. Mm. she's an amazing yeah. actress and uh she's very versatile too yeah I, i've crossed paths with steven a little bit and like he's a great guy that's what i hear i hear he's really really nice yeah yeah also yun Jung, it turns out she's fucking she speaks english really well yeah she's super fluent because she used to live here I she think used she to live in the u.s sons. yeah but it was really cool she was just like at the sundance interview she was just like very, she speaks very chill, like she didn't need an interpreter. No, look at she's badass. She's fucking badass. She's Yoon Yeo Jung, badass woman. There's this movie called In Another Country by Hong Sang Soo, and she's yeah. in there with Isabel Huppert, and she speaks extremely fluent English in that movie. She's, uh, I saw a little bit of like a, uh, somebody posted a part of a Q and A of the screener of you know the minari like cast like yeah. on zoom call and then there's a moment where she just like takes out an e-cig and she just <laughs> <laughs> I was like i see badass. you badass fucking yeah, she's, she, what a badass what a, yeah yeah she's so sexy too she is like back in the day when she, you know when they were making black and white movies in korea she played the the sex queen she played the the sexy temptress in all those movies yeah back in the and day and i always really like paid attention to how when i had so much pimples growing up like she's one of the very few actresses from that time even now who like she because she had a lot of like acne marks and stuff mm. and she um yeah I, like she's just also now like i don't think she puts a lot of ton of botox in her face mm-hmm. like like i love actors who have real faces the realness yeah i i like that yeah. too and she's such an amazing actress i i really enjoy her um okay so let me ask you some flashcard questions i do this flash yes. series uh based on about Piotr Negasme. Mm-hmm. all right so let's say you're a lounge singer Okay. Named Sue, trying to uh-huh. make it. You're trying to make it as a K-pop star, okay? Uh-huh. But a man who's like trying to be your manager or whatever, he tells you that your breasts are too small for the industry. What do you do? I'm going to tell him his penis is too small to be my manager. It's <laughs> a great answer. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. This is not meant to be. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. great. Okay. So let's say uh, you're a handsome executive, right? Chinpyo, right? Of a fashion mm-hmm. line mm-hmm. who came across a woman who looks exactly like your ex-girlfriend from Italy. She looks like spitting image. What do you do? 
Um, but it's clear that it's not the same person, right? Right. But it's like confusing. It's like she's so they're identical. What do you do? Yeah. Did they ever address that <laughs> yeah. in the show? Yeah. Well, um, she Chi Jinshin had to play two roles. Yeah. She played. She did, but like, were, were, are they twins separated by birth or just people who look eerily similar? It's just a doppelganger. Yeah. Doppelganger. Yeah. Okay. If I was him in that situation, um, if I still have a lot of unresolved feelings from that relationship, mm -hmm. and if this new person who looks just like my ex is, happens to be in my life, I would forge a somewhat, you know, friendship and be transparent about it like hey you look so much like my ex mm. just to let you know and yeah kind of see i don't think i would pursue a romantic relationship if anything i would fight against it because it's a little it's a little creepy i think it is it is creepy. yeah 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 but i would be friends with her or i would be like hey can i um read a letter to you that i wrote to my ex that i <laughs> She disappeared, so I never, you know, sent it. But can I just read it out loud to you? You don't Jesus. have to do anything. Yeah. Oh, my God. If I was the woman in that situation, I would run for the hills. If a man was like, you look like my ex-girlfriend. Can I read a letter to you that she wrote to me? <laughs> I would call the police and run. That's very true. That's very true. And I would say, hey, I'll pay you. <clears throat> How about $200? It's going to take five minutes, okay? <laughs> Yeah, then then yeah, that's doable. Two hundred bucks, five. Yeah. That's a good. That's a good buck. It's a really good buck. Yeah, five minutes, two hundred dollars. Yeah. Like doctors make like that much money, right? Like a dentist <laughs> makes two hundred bucks in five minutes, right? All right, great. Okay, I like that. All right, so let's say you're the son of a wealthy father, but you want to become a singer. Okay, that's your dream, but your dad keeps beating the shit out of you with a golf club to stop you from pursuing this path and entertainment it keeps calling you tantara huh that's right tantara tantara what do you do i would i mean i would i would leave i would i would just like move i would mm. move to a different country mm. i would that's i would probably go to new york mm-hmm yeah imagine um, yeah anjuk in new york yeah well isn't also he is like the son of a con like a like a girlfriend of his, right? He's not like yeah, uh, a girlfriend or ex-wife, yeah. Um, ex-wife, yeah. I think ex-wife, yeah. Uh, she was a movie star back in oh, the day. Oh, that's right. She was an actress who, who is now institutionalized. Yeah, she's mentally yeah. ill. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I was trying to think of something funny to say to that, but um, I think just <laughs> it's too real. It's too close to home. <laughs> I mean, it is for me. Like, I think I, yes, I came to New York to be an actor, blah, blah, whatever. But I did, I wanted to, like, have, have a big distance between my family. I understand that. And myself. And it really, I think it, that distance has helped me mm. get to a place of, like, coming back home. Mm-hmm. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why you're now able to go back and, like, you know, yeah. help nurse your father and all this. Yeah. Yeah. Like Willingly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay, great. So you're you're an orphan girl, right? Start of every K drama premise. Orphan girl. She's an orphan. Always. You're an orphan Always. girl living with yeah. another family, right? Uh-huh. And you have a knack for sewing and designing your own dresses and you've been pursuing this on your own, okay, with spare dresses that they're gonna throw away. And yeah. one day the woman that you live with 
comes into your workspace angrily and tears up all of your hard work and insults your dead mother, what do you do? Um, I'm going to, I'm going to hit her. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, I don't know. I don't think the police would be helpful. Right. What would I do? I'll, I'll take a video of it for sure <laughs> and blast it on social media. Yeah. But I will also make art out of that destruction. Oh. I will somehow patch all those ripped up fabrics mm. and make a quilt mm. and probably line it with some toxic chemicals mm -hmm. and send it to her. Yes. <laughs> yes. This is your weighted blanket. <laughs> It'll, I'll make it into a weighted blanket. Yeah. Yes, I like this. That's a great. I love the I love the actress who plays the oh. the evil kind of. She's amazing, lady. She yeah. she was also like kind of the sexy temptress woman back in the yes. day. Yes, yeah, very much so. And now she she's so versatile. She plays like like big big personality always, right? Like yes, she know? plays a lot of like um, ex big actress kind of like older diva. Yep, diva. She's got that diva quality to her, you know, yeah. rich, rich mama kind of thing. But I was watching All In recently and she plays like a poor lady, but like, like a suchi pajama. And she's oh. like really good at that too. She's amazing. Orina was with um, Lee Byung Hun, Song Hye Kyo. Yes. Oh yes. my god, oh, that's an oldie too. Oldie, yeah. Oldie. But that was also written by a man. And I was like, oh, okay, like I understand now why like... I didn't really gravitate towards Hong Yoo's character as much, you know. It was more yeah. about like Lee Byung Hun and his brotherhood and yeah. all that shit. Yeah. Yeah. All right, great. I like I like but I think that's a beautiful answer to be like I'm going to make art out of the stuff that she tore up. <laughs> yeah. That's what I like to do. Like the other day, yeah. I was making gnocchi mm. and I saw my it was just a frozen gnocchi pack from Whole Foods and I follow the instruction it just all clumped up together. But also at the same time it didn't cook so it was still doughy. <laughs> and I was like, "You know what?" I'm not going to throw this away. Uh. And I put it in a Tupperware. Yeah. Yeah. It, w it was a failure. But then I like turned it into, um, I fried the, I turned, I, I, fr I flattened them and I, I fried them. Nice. Yeah. See? So something, I don't know. I like sometimes get really like, okay, I admit this is a failure or destruction, but I'm going to do something with it. Oh, I love that. That is such a productive, like beautiful way to live life. You know, oh, rather than you. bang yeah. your head against the wall of failure, yeah. be like, well, yeah, let's look for a different outcome. Yeah. Like, for example, like I used to get really scolded pretty hard as a child when I would like my brother I, or I would like spill juice or milk on the floor. Yeah. And like, no, if it happens, like use that as a, you know, do something kooky. With Make it, art with it. With it. Mom yeah. and dad, don't catastrophize <laughs> spilled milk. It's not that big of a deal. Just make right? art. You just have to mop it up. <laughs> so last, last uh, flashcard question. Let's say mm -hmm. you're, you're the same orphan girl. Okay, you're you're Chijin Shu's character, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, you're dating Kang Min, played by Anju, right? With the hair, the hair, hot pop star, the hair in his yeah. eyes. You know that. I mean, everybody looks like an anime character <laughs> in that show. <laughs> It's like, get the hair out of your eyeballs. It is so tap tap pit looking at you right now. But so. I, I can't do it. Like, I, yeah, I literally, when I used to have longer hair, I'm going to kind of try to do the 
hiding my big ass round face. Like <laughs> I can't even like finish a sentence. Like it's so tough. Hi. I'm like, do you see how small and thin my face is? <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you're you're dating Kang Min, right? Yes. And you're very much in love with him, okay? Like, he, this homeboy fucking flew to Italy while you were on a business trip to tell you how much he loves you, okay? Um, but, like, his dad sent some money to you and told you to stop seeing him and to know your place. What do you do? That's a very common, common um, device in Korean dramas. Do do we know how much the money is? Is it quite a significant amount? <laughs> we don't know. It's probably something like ten grand. I would take the money to be honest. Yeah, of course. I would take the money, and then if I still wanted to have some fun times with him, um, we could, you know, yeah, could do it on the down low. Yeah. Do it on the down low, like a lot of under the table yeah. stuff. But yeah, um, because you know, even. It, Love is, I like to think that love doesn't have to be so permanent. Exactly. No matter how long it lasts, yeah. it's good. So, yeah, it's going to fade anyway. Yeah. Let me get some money out yeah, of it. Yeah, why not? It's like, thank you, Dad. Ten grand, you know? <laughs> why not? I might, I might, I, if I was in that situation, I actually, I would negotiate with the father to like, okay, I'll completely disappear for your son's life. I need a little more money. Yeah, hundred grand, yeah. and I will be yes. out of the picture. Yeah, yes. I will leave the town. He will never <laughs> hear from me. A hundred grand. Yeah, that's what I would do too. Like whenever you know these girls are like prideful and they're like, I do. I you know what? I will leave your son. I do not need your money. I'm like, yes, you do. You need that right? money. Right? It's so badly. I think it's such an insult. <laughs> insult, but like, it's given to me. I'm not stealing it. Let's take it. Yeah, this is an agreement that we're gonna you know get to okay it's a deal and also i understand that if you grow up like extremely poor and under these underprivileged situations i think there is more ego wrapped up around that but you know i um i'm a big fan of taking money me too yeah it's like we've seen life and it's like you know what money's always better <laughs> <laughs> right? yeah. oh my god and the word nalari mm -hmm. uh, i thought about a lot mm. For Malari. who? For Anju? Yeah, because his dad would call him that. Uh. Did they also use the word tantaria, tantara? Yeah, he kept saying, he yeah. kept calling him tantara. He's like, you're going to get into yeah. that tantara shit, you know? Yeah. So you're going to be just like your, you know, I mean, do you, mother. Yeah. Um, a, fr a friend of mine, Korean friend of mine, Kaihan Kim, she's an actress. She, like, proudly uses that word. What do you think about that word, tantara? I don't have, like, any feelings associated with that word because... I'm not of that time period when tantara was yeah. used as like a derogatory expression. You know, maybe tantara yeah. is now like reappropriated, kind of like the word queer. You know, it's like been yeah. reappropriated by the community and it's like something to be proud of. But it's like, yeah, I'm a tantara. Yeah. Like back then, you know, people were, everybody was hustling and being an entertainer was just as much part of the hustle. So I don't. I don't see it as like a negative thing. The word tantara, yeah. it just, it's an onomatopoeia for a trumpet right? sound. Yeah, that's all it yes. is. Yes. I love that word, actually. That's a great word. Yeah. yeah. Um, I feel like our language has the best onomatopoeias. Oh, yeah. Is that the word? Onomatopoeia, yeah. It's onomatopoeias. like 
It's like an emotive language. That's what a, yeah. a linguist said. She was like, it's an emotive language, emotional language is what Korean is. And I was like, oh. Um, when my roommates were peeking at the clips, they they were, they, the shots, there's so many shots that are kind of cool when you look at it now. Like, it's not typical shots that they would frame for like a, a rom romance story. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of like sweeping kind of action shots. Um, but one of my roommates said it reminds him of Twin Peaks. Oh. So that was an interesting observation. That is interesting. Yeah. How so? Yeah. Just like the it's camera like work? The, um, the, 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 the score, the very like kind of melodramatic score that comes in and two people kind of like talking about things where sometimes it doesn't really go anywhere with a lot of extra long pauses. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny that he said it doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. It was very <laughs> slow back then, huh? It's like, I, so I remembered it being a lot more like faster paced, mm -hmm. but that was the, the shocking part. Like. Because I actually did watch the whole first episode, just finding clips. Not a on lot YouTube. was going on. Yeah, it was just. It's not. Yeah. It was just sitting still, like making faces, and. Yeah. Or or they're like spacing out, and there's like music, a full song playing. Totally. Three three and a half minutes, right? Yeah. Like how many fucking times did they play Kang Min's song in that? Oh my god. Like literally, they played it three times every single episode. <laughs> really, to that extent. It's like it's so funny. Much. Do you like him as a singer? I mean, I like that song that he sings at the end of Pyeongdaegasume when he's like coming off the stage, yeah. walking towards her. Right? It's like iconic yeah. that moment, right? And that song. Yeah. But um, no, I'm not like a particular fan of Anjeuk, honestly. Yeah, I um, doing this prompted me to looking look, prompted me to look him up on Instagram, oh. and I did start following Anjeuk yeah. the actor. He's a dad he's, now, right? He's aged pretty well. Like yeah. he does a lot of musicals. He, um, yeah, he has, he has a child, a yeah. family. Um, I like to kind of, I've been doing that a lot. Like, do you remember Son Ji Chang? No. He was an actor. Oh my God. You should check out this miniseries called Nukim. Nukim? Okay. Nukim. Okay. Um, I, my mom, I, my mom wouldn't let me watch it back then. <laughs> was that an I SBS? Was like in, KBS probably. But it's like these three brothers who all have a crush on the same girl. <laughs> Son Ji Chang is one of the brothers. But um, yeah, he's an actor who... He was in Majimak Sungbu. Oh. Do you know that basketball movie? I mean, yeah, the basketball Of course, show? of course. With um, Chang Dong-gun. Yes. Shimuna, that was her first role. I still remember the opening title. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Of course. Um, so he was in that too, but yeah, now he doesn't really act as much, but he does like some business stuff, but it's kind of weird to f see how, how somebody ages and changes. Yeah. I was uh, looking at Ryushi one a little bit because, you know, I mean, he, he was like that church oppa looking guy, you know, whenever a church oppa I encountered looked a little bit like Ryushi one, <laughs> I was like instantly in love with him. I'm like, oh my God. Motherfucker. Wait, this is really funny because I li there was literally a church oppa that looked like him. Always. In, in every church, there was a Ryushiwan looking oppa there. Oh my god. <laughs> and hilarious. I was always in love with him. <laughs> Whenever they had like fucking revivals and shit at another church, I'd be like getting fucking primmed and proper. Wow. Gonna go and find me my Ryushiwan looking oppa. Yes. <laughs> is he still acting, Ryushiwan? 
He's not because this poor thing, he got caught up in some shitty ass scandal with his ex-wife. Like she accused him of abuse, of stalking, of being physically assaulting and all this. And he quit uh, acting for good in like like 2010 or something. And Uh uh, I think he's only been singing in like Japan or whatever. Interesting. Well, speaking of Korean celebrities who no longer um, are working, do you know that director Kim Gi-duk passed away recently? I do. I was so shocked. I knew about how he got me to massively. Yeah. And yeah, he died of COVID in yep. December. Died of COVID. And all these um, like film scholar people, like Korean film scholars and translators, they were all like, I'm not going to talk about Kim Gi-duk's death. I'm like, bitch, you are right now by posting this fucking thing. He's like, yeah. I'm not going to talk about him because he was abusive to women. I was like, first of all, what a really shitty thing to do to talk ill speak ill of the dead the moment he dies and second like you bitches were all teaching his movies in your fucking classes so don't fucking backpedal now and try to be all like righteous and shit now that he's dead and you don't have to fear consequences or backlash potentially from him or somebody that he knows in the industry i just found it really disgusting and cowardly and awful You know, it's like, yeah, he made those shitty mistakes. Nobody doubts that. Everybody knows it. It is awful what he did. And um, I think the women should be, you know, compensated and justice should be upheld. But he's a dead man. He literally died like now. Right. Why are you talking shit about him now? You should have been talking shit about him before when you were teaching his misogynistic movies in your fucking classes. Yeah, I mean... I don't understand the point of like you can talk about his death and also talk reflect on how on on the Me Too movement and how it must be changed. This cowardly like oh we shouldn't even talk this anxious cowardly energy. Exactly. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. That I'm not into. That bothers me too. Um, this is something, I mean, you don't, you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but like, I know like what a big fan of Louis CK you were and I, so was I, Yeah. but like, how did you, um, deal with that news? Um, it was, it was kind of, it was funny that my, a lot of my friends, cause I talk so much about loving him, were like checking in with me. Mm. Um, it was disappointing actually before the whole thing broke out, like I was hearing rumors Mm -hmm. and talks of it and. I think everybody was to some extent. They yeah, I think of... I kind of had to do a certain mode of like mourning. Mm-hmm. Um, like this person that I really looked up to. And yeah, and I still kind of, I definitely sometimes still think of his jokes or yeah or things like that. And But to be honest, I also still do watch his content. Mm-hmm. When he, um, because he sends out emails, right? Um, yeah. When it first broke out, actually, the you know how the email that people use when they're just sending out promotion mm-hmm. stuff, it was like info at louisck.net or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I knew that he it wouldn't get to it. But I just said, oh, I hope. Um, oh, in his com- new comedy special that he released, it he talks about his his mother passed away mm-hmm. like shortly after his whole thing happened mm-hmm. so i i just kind of like said oh i'm sorry for your loss mm. yeah. yeah so um yeah it's it's sad to think about him but also i hope life goes on for him too and yeah and it is going on for him 
you know? Yeah. Because I often think about, like, what would I do if my brother or a, a close cis-het friend, cis-het guy, gets me too in that situation? Exactly. Like, I'm not going, if anything, I'm not going to abandon my friend at that moment. Exactly. Like, if anything, that is the moment that my a friend needs me the exactly. most. Exactly. And that doesn't mean that I'm going to defend him. Yeah. I'm going to help him face his bullshit and heal yeah. and get better. A hundred percent. So, yeah, those are my thoughts on that. Okay. I appreciate yeah. that. And I think yeah. it's important to um, understand, like, that full picture, you know? Um, being a feminist, you know, being a woman and all of that, it's like... But there's still a bigger picture to all of this. And I'm trying to... I'm trying to find the answers to that too because it, it can't just yeah. end at a point of rage and canceling. Like that's mm-hmm. not progressive enough for me. Yeah. yeah. It's so nice talking to you. I know. We should um I'll hit you up after this in the next few days. Let's have another yeah. Kiki sesh. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Next week we're going to talk about the hit show Kingdom, which is on Netflix. Uh, two seasons are already out. It is a zombie TV show set in the Chosun Dynasty. So it's a period piece with zombies. How fun. How out there. And I believe uh, Chun Ji-hyun will be in the third season of this show, which is very, very exciting. Huge Hallyu actress. And um, yeah, we'll be getting into that. So prepare yourselves by watching Kingdom. It's a really great show. So get into it. And as always, folks, if you have questions for me, please just email me. Send me an email, uh, kdramaschool at gmail.com. Visit our website at kdramaschool.com. Uh, follow me at kdramaschool on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. We upload a lot of content up there that you could check out. Yeah, if you can, just you know maybe subscribe on Apple <laughs> and leave, leave this podcast five stars. It wouldn't hurt. It's a nice thing to do. Why not? Please subscribe on YouTube. Just click subscribe. It's one button. You just click it. Just just one second. Click. That's it. That's all it, that's all it takes. Please do that if you can. And I really appreciate all of your support. I appreciate you listening every week. I appreciate you. And I will talk to you all next week. Bye.